will solve it, but otherwise. Okay. Oh, trust me, if it's audio, they'll complain about it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> All right. Cool. Hey, we made it. <laughs> uh, check, check, check. All the microphones working? I, 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 this is your testing of the emergency craft computing broadcast system. If you do not have a beer, please get one now. Well, if you say so. Welcome to Talking Heads, everyone. Episode 304, your once-week live show for the latest in beer and tech news. I'm Jeff. I'm Rhett. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you all so much for joining us on this Wednesday night or in podcast form over on Anchor.fm or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. If you've never seen the show before, we talk beer, we talk tech, we talk games, pop culture, entertainment, usually some Star Trek. All Super Chats are run in the air, so long as they will not permanently demonetize the channel. We do drink alcohol on the show, and if you're drinking along with us, alcoholic or not, let us know in the chat, and we'll give some early show shoutouts as we go along. Last but not least, if you'd like to take part in the super secret chat and the even more super secret after party, think about joining the Patreon. Link is down in the video description. As a bonus, you'll get exclusive access to my Discord server, where you can chat with myself, John, Rhett, Steve, all the hosts from Talking Heads, and join the awesome community that hangs out over there. Uh, Kren says, no emergency beers here, maybe in 20 minutes, though. Well, mm. well, keep keep us abreast of the situation, would you? Uh, let's see. Good eye, mate. Uh, I was adjusting audio the entire time during. I heard Rhett was too hot and I was too low, so we kind of uh, evened that out. I'm I'm the hot one now. Um, oh, come I, on. It's my show. Come on. You, you knew what this was. Jeez. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully we are all good to go. Rhett, how are you doing today? Doing fantastic. Doing fantastic. It's hump day. We're here to get through the middle of the week, get to the end, and um, yeah, you know, I was in a meeting when all three of my uh, work-related cell phones went off with the emergency broadcast thing all at once, so that was (laughs) hilarious. I mean, I knew to expect it, but then the meeting started at 11, and I kind of just, like, forgot about it, so yeah, yeah, that was fun, fumbling for three phones to do that. but otherwise, you know, Gucci. Yep. Cool, cool. Uh, yeah, it's it's been an interesting day. Got uh, got another video filmed. Hopefully getting this one out tomorrow. Uh, part two of my Proxmox deep dive, talking about uh, PCI Express pass-through uh, and how it's a little different in 8.0 and what you can and can't do with it. Uh, and there's, uh, it's not without its bugs, so it should be a fun video. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Yeah. Vince says he got a Spanish test to hope it was just a test. He couldn't read it. <laughs> uh, I got both. I got both English and Spanish. I'm hoping that Pornhub releases their uh, like statistics on this, like that happened for the Hawaii one. You know, the Hawaii like missile. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The missile debacle. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be like, the, all the people that didn't know that it was a, just a test, here's their statistics. Yeah. <laughs> people still the things that people little, look uh, up. Mm. Maybe I'm just too hot. Well, you know, maybe I got to turn down. Give maybe my, I need some reverb. We'll, we'll give myself an extra 5 dB, see how that goes. What do you think? You need some reverb? Huh? <sighs> too much. 
Uh, remember, remember last time you were on, we talked about your effects not coming through. Yeah. Well, the reverb worked apparently. <laughs> we got enough of it. We got enough of it to know what it was. That it was like one of those old microphones with a spring in it that we bought in the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, you know, I watched a little thing on how they did the uh, lightsaber sound effects. And I always knew how they created the effect. And it was the overlay of like the hum of a film projector mm -hmm. with the back of a CRT TV, like the staticky sort of sound. And he overlaid them. But I don't know why I never considered this. This blew my mind a little bit. To get the sound of the attacks, he used a directional microphone and just swung past a speaker, Yep, which I was like blown away by. It's so clever. I, uh, I love watching sound effect technicians, especially like old school ones. Uh, yeah. Uh, the the old they're sitting in the in the film studio on their hands and knees with like a stock of celery and a two by four, yeah. <laughs> and making the the Chuck Norris you know crunching punches and and things like that. Those are so much fun to watch. Yeah. Anyway, it's gonna be a good show. Honda unveils a ten thousand dollar EV that I really want, but will never be able to buy because uh, Japan gets all the cool cars. Uh. There was there were some stories that came out this week that I just didn't want to touch on. Um, but I, I I hate stories of of uh, like sexual misconduct arrests and things like that. And man, if you're a fan of Ubisoft, who boy, there were a couple <laughs> of those this week. Um, I didn't want to talk about those on the show, uh, but I hope those guys burn. <laughs> I hope they burn. Uh, let's see. There's a couple of good price storage options if you're looking for high-end home lab or entry-level enterprise kind of stuff. Uh, we'll go over one or two of those. And we'll be the last outlet on the internet to talk about the Raspberry Pi 5. Because uh, it came out Thursday at like 5 a.m. <laughs> I think was the official announcement. So... Uh, we missed that one by just a couple hours last week. Anyway, let's go ahead and get this show started the best way we know how. Uh, Rhett, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, a Costco uh, special. It's the uh, Warsteiner Oktoberfest, and uh, it's really delicious. Uh, it's really good. I think it's only like 5%, but dang, it's like perfectly malty, perfectly drinkable. Um... You know, it came in a freaking full case, so you know that it's it's from Costco. But yeah, it's a German brewery, naturally brewed according to the German purity law, whatever that means. And uh, it's tasty. It's delicious. Well, it I mean, has like well, German purity law is the is the four ingredients that can the only four ingredients that can go in a beer if you listen well, to that's people who know nothing about craft beer. That's exactly. There's only four ingredients in this, yep. so. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> water, barley, hops, and malt. Yeah, this says water, barley malt, hops, and hop extract. What the heck is hop extract? Uh that'd be like oils and, and mm. ground up hops and things like that. Uh what I love about it is it's not hoppy at all. Yeah. It's it's like I'm drinking just perfectly crispy, refreshing maltiness. It's not like Yeah. It's it's uh it's good. Anyway, I was in the mood because I love Oktoberfests and uh uh Sam Adams makes my favorite 
but uh, you can't really buy it all the time. It's pretty expensive. Yeah. And for the cost of like two Sam Adams 12 packs, I got this like 24 pack. So there you go. From Costco. Uh, I am starting with uh, Widmer out of Portland, Oregon. I don't drink many Widmers these days, but uh, there, there's nothing like a good deadlift IPA. Like it, it just hits right sometimes. So Deadlift Imperial IPA, 8.6%, uh, Oregon staple, Portland, Portland brewed, uh, just a darn good beer. I mean, fantastic color. And hey, it was 19 ounces for like $2.30. Like, how can you go wrong with that? Well, I guess you can go really wrong with that, but... <laughs> in this case, that was a pretty good deal. Yeah, can't go wrong. Widmer's classic. Uh, let's see. We do have a couple shout-outs to give. Andrew's drinking a Nights Out Belgian Stout. That sounds amazing. Uh, uh, Roja Brewing Project, Salt Lake City, Utah, 8.7%. Belgian Stout. Uh, Modest Man Brewing Novella is drinking Modest Man Brewing Center of Attention New England IPA 7% and a 4.1 on Untapped uh, we've got oh, let's see I saw a couple more uh, Mike says live stream needs a sound guy maybe even AI if it needs to be uh, as soon as OBS comes out with like an AI sound manager I'd be more than on board for that uh, but the budget can't currently afford a sound guy so you get me hey i mean isn't uh you know nvidia broadcast supposed to be like ai enhanced or whatever it's it's ai noise reduction is what it is mm. uh noise reduction echo removal uh things like that uh which we do employ nvidia broadcast here in craft computing studio 2.3 uh but uh Jeff, new camera, different lights, great image quality. No, just uh, turned on all the main studio lights this evening. Uh, normally for the podcast, I have my floodlight, my my rain light. My uh, it's a sixteen inch diameter uh, light with uh, basically a shower curtain over the top of it, uh, and then I use a little uh, tiny LED key light uh, as a little bit. It ends up being a little bit harsh, but uh, but looks pretty good. Uh, no, and today I've got both my studio lights on, both the flood and the fill. And uh, but thank you for noticing. See, see, Rhett, I'm the hot one. So it's true. And also, I've pointed this out before, but it's a wonder what a difference like the glasses make too. Mm -hmm. Every time I see you on camera, I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, glasses make a difference. Uh, if you've been watching over the last couple of months, uh, since I started the channel, uh, I've I've always been an Oakley wearer. I've, I've been an Oakley glasses wearer for like 12 years or something like that. Normally, I go with the rimless bottoms. And so that's what the first six years of this channel was, was me with rimless uh, glasses. Um, I decided to go rimmed this time on, on my newer set. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of liking it. So yeah, I'm, it's a good look. I'm, I'm usually not a fan of of the rimmed glasses on me, but these are super sleek. They're they're nice and and low profile. I like them. So, yeah, it's nice. Yeah. 
to put these on, but then I'm just reflecting <laughs> right into the camera, everything in front of me. <laughs> See, it, it, it's also an art because I've been a glasses wearer for so long. Um, yeah. Keeping reflections out of your glasses. Uh, yeah. Like I can look just about anywhere and you get little glimmers of like little things that are in my studio, yeah, especially yeah. on my left eye. But uh, uh, no, I it, it's been a long learned art form to keep reflections out of my glasses. So something you always have to be cognizant of. Uh, I turn the monitor brightness down. Uh, so yeah. when I switch scenes, it doesn't inter interfere with uh, with the exposure on my face. Um, uh, always have your light set more than the 90 degree angles. So you either have to be shallower or, or greater than. If it's a 90, you'll end up hitting something. Um, yeah, all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, let's see, there was an 11 percenter that I wanted to call it. Michael, high grain brewing, barrel aged golden strong ale, 11 percent. Nice. I almost pulled out one of my dragon's milks. By the way, I, I owe all of you guys uh, dragon's milk. I have a whole bunch of uh, the the golden ale and the reds uh, still. So I've been I've been saving them for a little while. So you need to make sounds sure like you're saying we're running out of time. <laughs> no, no, they well yes, <laughs> <laughs> they'll keep, but not in this house. Um, actually, I ran into an issue tonight. Um, I don't run into this issue often. Um, I don't have any. This is going to sound weird. Readily drinkable beer. Yeah. Um, this this singular can is my only can that I own right now that is less than ten percent. <laughs> Let's put that in perspective. Uh, I've I've got I've got a I've been using my garage as kind of a beer cellar. I used to have a beer fridge, but the fridge out there died, so we just used the fridge as a cellar for a while, kept it a little insulated. Now, since it's cooled down, I, I pulled everything out of the fridge, finally got rid of it. It's all sitting in a tub in, in my, my garage, the stuff that I want to age and whatnot. Um, I actually need to take advantage of the fact that you can stand up underneath the, the floorboards of my house, and I've got actually a cement pad down there. I need to actually build myself like a rack and do a proper beer cellar in there. Uh, because it stays 55 degrees year round. So why not? Yeah, perfect. Why not take advantage of that? So maybe that'll be a, a quick build for the uh, the craft extra or, or even a premium video. So me building a, a little stand, like a wine cellar kind of thing to, there you go. to age my beer. Uh, we do have a super chat. Did you read that? Uh, Michael Fitzgerald. Ah, Michael, I don't know how I missed you. Uh, 20 Aussie bucks. Thank you so much. Uh, working so stuck drinking coffee. This bottle has completed its 15,000 kilometer journey. Cheers. Uh, you're very welcome, sir. Uh, Michael finally got his craft computing water bottle. Mm. Uh, the, the Aussies are starting to deliver. By the way, if, if you're an Aussie and you haven't received yours yet, it's because I keep forgetting to email out to confirm your shipping address because it was so long ago that you guys pre-ordered. So your water bottles are in the country, but we need to know last mile on where to send them. So uh, merch at craftcomputing.net if you haven't heard from me yet. Uh, please reach out if I haven't reached out already. So... Uh, let's see, Zachary, Mr. Solace, Craft Computing, you've had the A5000 for a year. Thoughts on the card? Um, 
My thoughts really haven't wavered since since day one. Uh, I I'm a big fan of Ampere. I know in the tech media, Ampere was seen as way too expensive, and and it was the it was the the generation that pushed the Titan out of the market and replaced it with the the 90 series so they could start justifying 15 and 1600 dollar price points um to gamers and uh what did gamers do they freaking ate it up uh and it's part of the reason we have this weird paradigm today of where there are no budget cards because no one competes at 300 dollars anymore everyone competes at a thousand dollars uh and it sucks and and i but are the products any good? Yes, Ampere's a hell of an architecture. It, they, they make some fantastic GPUs, very well performing, uh, rock solid performance. Uh, and uh, on the A5000, I, I haven't tested it as much as I would like. I'm actually hoping, I kind of want to bring a virtualization rig to PDX LAN uh, in November. Uh, which, by the way, remember, Rhett, you have a seat there, so. Oh, I remember. Don't forget about that. All right. Yeah, I've been planning accordingly. Cool. Um, yeah, I, I want to bring a PC and allow people to try virtual gaming on it. I, I, I want to try that. Um, I don't know if I'm going to have time to put that together. Uh, that was actually the goal for last year. And I had the system built. And Rhett saw the Oh, my God, this thing was gorgeous. It was going to be sick. Um Jeff pulled like an all-nighter to get some stuff done on it. Yep. It was like almost ready to get packed into the car. Yep. And literally caught fire. Uh, yeah. the, the, the second we... time I've caught something on fire and haven't been rolling camera because I'm like, I just need to test this real quick so I can get get moving on whatever. Um, yeah. So. But yeah. Good times. Um, yeah. No, I, I'm highly thinking about bringing a virtualization rig. So... Uh, I don't know if it'll be my primary rig, but I, I want to bring something. So. I think it would be cool. Uh, Jowney, am I saying that right? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, $10 Canadian, thank you very much. Uh, toying with doing a silly Zima board compute setup connected over PCIe. Uh, ML related, machine learning related. Do you have any thoughts on connecting CPU server directly through PCIe? Not sure I understand your question. Um, on connecting CPUs and servers directly through PCIe. Um, yeah. I, I, <laughs> Chime in. Can, can, can you elaborate a little bit more? I'd love to answer this because uh, uh, the the Zima board, the Zima blade, very cool uh, pieces of, of, of hardware, very inexpensive. They're, they're x86 tinkerer level pieces of hardware with actual expandability, socketable RAM, PCI Express expandability, uh, EMMC. They're totally board, hackable. Totally hackable. Um, and, but priced to compete with a Raspberry Pi, like legitimately. Um, so yeah, very, very cool stuff. Um, uh, Vince is trying to say PCI Express fabric. No idea. <laughs> no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Joni, uh, if you, if you can elaborate a little bit, I, I, I'd love to know what you're thinking about doing with it. Uh, but most of the machine learning stuff that I do has been 
uh, GPU accelerated. Uh, so, um, yeah. Uh, and Elmo keeps wanting to point out uh, the, the Zima cube to me um, as if, number one, I wasn't already aware, and number two, don't freaking have one on the way. Both are true. So, uh, I have one on the way. I am aware. Uh, of course, I'm aware of the Zima cube. Uh, it is... For those who followed anything that I did at 45 Drives uh, during the Creator Summit uh, this last month, a month and a half ago, um, you know this is a, essentially a form factor that I've been trying to push, is is the, the desktop server form factor, uh, the, the same one that I built for my Proxmox server. Um, the uh, let's throw rack-mounted conventions out the window, let's build a server that's actually buildable and expandable and, and user serviceable and uh, for lack of better words, not necessarily open source, but you can install whatever operating system, whatever configuration, whatever software that you'd like uh, and get servers into the hands of people to be able to use them, whether it be business or home or, or SMB or uh, you know whatever the case may be. Um, so I'm excited about the Zima Cube. I, I can't wait to see more. Uh, if, if you guys are wondering what the Zima Cube is, I just realized I was talking about it and not visually showing you. This is the Zima Cube. This was just announced uh, a week or two ago. Uh, it's coming soon on Kickstarter. Uh, first off, it is a cube-like server. Uh, it's got six three and a half inch drive bays down below and four M.2 SSD expansion slots. Uh, so tons of expandability, tons of, of ease of use things. Uh, they are pushing out, uh, Zima is, uh, I believe Zima is Casa OS, Casa OS. Um, they, they are doing a lot of um, pushing of their own platform. However, there's nothing stopping you from installing your own platform. Zima, at, at their essence, is they like tinkers, they like hackers, they, they want people to do with their hardware whatever they want to do with their hardware. They're trying to just provide a platform for you to do that. The really cool thing, uh, 12th Gen Core i5, I'm going to assume this is something like a 1260p mobile chip, which is like a 35 watt mobile chip. Um, haven't gotten final approval or, or specifications on exactly what it is. Dual 2.5 gig networking, quad M.2 SSD expansion, uh, does have a PCI Express 16 expansion slot on it as well. Dual Thunderbolt 4, super cool, super cool thing. Um, I don't know the price yet. I don't know anything else. All, all I've seen is Zima contacted me and basically shared this webpage with me. So I have no more information than any of you do, but I'm exceedingly excited for this one. Ah, yes, I am aware. Thanks, Zima. Sounds like a medicine for, like, <laughs> upset tummy. Uh, well, it was a malt liquor. <laughs> See, I, I couldn't remember exactly. I've heard where I've heard Zima before, but... <laughs> Z Zima was the 90s uh, wine cooler. So in the 80s, your parents mm. drank, drank wine coolers. In the 90s, it was, uh, it, it was Zima and 
uh, these wine spritzers and and things yeah. like that. Uh, Zima was nothing more than a. Uh, they always had like ice cubes in in the videos, trying to make it look stylish and like you know like a vodka tonic or something like that. Uh, where uh, you'd walk up to a bar and and give me a beer and, uh, and like oh, have you tried a Zima and Zima? <laughs> like it, it was this whole whole thing. Um, but yeah. Uh, Zima was the clear uh, wine cooler in the 90s. <laughs> Good old wine coolers, you know? Yes. Yeah, the Bartles and James led to Zima. Exactly. <laughs> um, uh, 1235U. Specs are down lower on the page. Okay, I didn't scroll down far enough. Yeah, 1235U. So yeah, I, um, so that's the 15 watt uh Intel 1235U. The U is typically their low-volt processors. 15-watt base power. Max turbo of up to 55 watts, though. Not bad for Alder Lake. That could be uh, that could be a lot of fun. Uh, also, 10-core, uh, 12 threads. So two performance cores, eight efficiency cores. I actually really like that combination uh, on, on something like this because, again... As as home lab people, uh, as as enthusiasts in this space, we tend to overestimate how much power our home labs actually require. Uh, we like to think we're running enterprise gear because we have the needs and requirements of an enterprise. <laughs> no, uh, Plex doesn't take a whole lot. N neither does. DNS, neither does VPN, neither does... Your Minecraft server could be argued that it, it takes a fair bit of resources, but for the majority of home labbers out there who are doing it for file storage, um, I like the efficiency core move. I, I like that as a CPU choice. All right. Uh, cool. Well, let's go ahead and... We'll jump into our first story, and then I do have a sponsor to tell us all about. Uh, are you done with your first one already? Yeah. <laughs> I opened it before you, so... I... Yep, anyway. Jeff looks like he's about to kick me off the show. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the band button? <laughs> All Sorry, right. but I got mod powers in this setup again. Yep. Um, I've been noticing a trend lately, and uh, I, I normally don't talk to the auto market, but that it was it was kind of calling me this week because there there's been a lot of interesting reviews that I've seen crop up over the. Uh, the the last couple of months with uh, both Chinese and Japanese manufactured uh, electric vehicles. And uh, obviously over in Japan, the, the key car is still huge, uh, you know, the, the micro vehicles and things like that. Yeah. But um, there's actually a budgeting sector of EV, of electric vehicles, EVs, as opposed to ICEs um, that uh, are coming out for very affordable prices. Uh, and 
I often use the auto industry as kind of a parallel to the PC industry because so many of the aspects of it from an enthusiast community, from a reviewer standpoint, from a market standpoint to economic standpoint, there's a lot of parallels. I mentioned earlier, Nvidia pushing that that Titan out of the mark or off of the table and giving us the 90 series and now instead of competing at 250 to 500 dollars now the competition is between 600 and 1200 dollars with 1500 as as your ferrari um well the auto industry has done the same thing especially stateside where it wasn't uncommon 15 years ago to be able to buy brand new cars for nine thousand dollars uh now yeah it's hard to find a car with a sticker of less than eighteen thousand uh, dollars on a lot, and that's not just Even because then. of supply and demand and and uh, and and the whole pandemic thing killing supply chains. Um, even before twenty twenty, it was next to impossible to find cars for less than twenty k on a lot, brand new. Um, I'm in the market for a new car, and the cheapest one we can find immediately available get the keys and drive away that day is twenty eight thousand dollars yeah yeah and that's that's hunting yeah yeah but i mean even your even your your budget you know econo wagon kind of kind of cars your your nissan versus and your toyota corollas and 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 cars like that they're carrying stickers these days of of 18 to twenty two thousand, and well and 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 the options aren't really options anymore They just don't sell cars that don't have powered windows or an entertainment center type setup or or fully electric seat movers. I like I found that uh, very much so. Uh, I I was uh, over the summer considering going and getting a Jeep Gladiator. Uh, I I kind of liked the form factor. Ultimately decided just to keep my truck. Number one, it was paid off, and number two, I don't think I can go to anything less than full size anymore. but was seriously in the market for Jeep Gladiator up to including talking to a dealership about ordering one in for me. Um, uh, so went on a test drive, looked at all the different packages and, and everything else available. And uh, when you go and you build what I wanted, which was base, I like to spend my money under the hood and in the drivetrain, not under my ass and in front of me on the console. Like that's not where my money in a vehicle should go. Um, and uh, I, I had a very specific package that I wanted. I wanted the, the tow package and I, and I wanted the, uh, the, the Dana 60 uh, front and rear axles and, and beefier suspension and things like that. It was the towing package and the off-road package or something like that to what should be very standard offered packages for, a freaking Jeep, okay? Um, that package, if you buy it online, was about $42,000 out the door. Uh, so including dealer costs and destination charges and everything else, you'd be looking about $42,000 to buy that vehicle. The only vehicles on the dealership lot that matched what I wanted had $20,000 in additions uh, that were the better the better sound system and the larger screen and the electric seats and um 
you know, and they had a couple other things as well. They they had the the soft cover and the hard ton out cover if you wanted both, and you can keep one for the summer and one for the winter and thing. Like so, they also included like two thousand dollars in in hard shells and whatnot. Yeah. But it was twenty thousand. It, it was uh, sixty-eight thousand dollars. So sixteen thousand dollars more. Eighteen thousand dollars more than me pricing it out online and buying just the equipment that I wanted. Uh, yeah. The cheapest gladiator they had on the lot was fifty-four thousand. It's like, and and that was their sport model, but they had all the entertainment packages up up in it. Yeah, and this is like at the heart of like the the graphics card thing that you were talking mm-hmm. about. And I was going to dive into this tirade, especially regarding cars because I'm in the market. Yeah, is that like unfortunately, like you and I are the type of shoppers we look at each other and we go we go what the heck like how much more can the market bear of this yet people go online and they moan about this in droves but they're spending the money either but way. then they just go to the dealership and they buy the seventy thousand dollar jeep gladiator or the the thirty five thousand dollar camry they don't stop spending the money they don't stop it's mm-hmm. insane uh 11 years ago we bought a ford focus for like 10 or eleven thousand dollars you know, right off the lot, brand new, mm-hmm. no bells and whistles. And it's been a great, reliable car. And now literally can't find a car for less than three times the amount. And, yeah. But they all have power. They all got this. They all got that. They all have freaking, I don't, I can move my seat myself. Yeah. Like, but, but we haven't even got to the story yet. Right. The story, the story is, the story is the automakers are treating the U.S. market the exact same way that NVIDIA and AMD and everyone else is treating the PC market from a manufacturer standpoint. And that is Honda in Japan just unveiled the N-Van, the N-Van-E. Now, the N-Van is a very popular key car van. Uh, it's a it's a five-passenger van, but everything folds flat. It's a beautiful vehicle. It's a yeah. little small for the U.S. market, but it's not unreasonable um you know it's having its place it's especially if you look at vehicles like you know the the kia soul and the nissan cube and things like that this is larger than those vehicles with more utility room and more cargo space and more features and why wouldn't this do well in the u.s market anyway uh honda is unveiling the n-van e which is a new variant of their n-van uh it's an all ev plug-in electric with a 130-mile range that can also backpower your house. Uh, so it can basically work as a power wall for you in the event of a power outage. $10,000. Yeah. $10,000. Yeah. You, you, you can't beat it. That's used Chevy Sonic money. <laughs> That's... And what... And what's crazy to me is like they they're right. I mean, I think the article talks about this, maybe the comments of this article, I don't know, but it's like, why isn't this come to market in the US? Well, the US has proven time and time again that they would spend more than that to buy a car. That's exactly right. It's it's not worth it to get and not only that, for some reason, and I don't maybe I don't know if this is just lack of competition or whatever in the US, but they've proven time and time again that like a lot of the electric vehicle market is just going to be dominated by like popularity of social media and like memes, you know? So like, you know, that's why and, Tesla and... dominates the market in the U S but it doesn't, it doesn't perform 
near even like Nissan's market yeah. value for uh, for for EVs overseas. Mm-hmm. It, there's just the market is so different in the United States, and we're willing to punish ourselves for whatever reason. This would I could see this doing so well. I could see myself having one of these. I could see a lot of people wanting one. Yeah. Uh, the, <laughs> Until we stop spending the the, the seventy thousand dollars yeah, on the, a truck. Exactly. Um, the the reason this particular article caught my eye is is this thought has been in the back of my brain for quite a few weeks. Um, I've been looking at inexpensive EVs that are being launched throughout the world. Uh, uh, yeah. BYD over in China is is China. releasing, and they're um, so cheap. Is releasing some killer electric vehicles with like two hundred and two hundred and fifty mile range in budget sedan prices for like eight thousand dollars and and when i say budget sedan i mean i mentioned you know used chevy sonic prices um i mean a car about the size of a chevy sonic i mean about four meters long about a meter and three quarter wide uh i i mean will fit four adults uh inside of it with a really tiny you know hatchback trunk um but you know budget you know, Nissan Versa, Nissan Sentra, uh, you know, Toyota Echo, uh, you know, type sizes. Toyota Matrix maybe is a better analogy for that one. Um, but uh, $8,000, 250 mile range. Yeah. That that same vehicle in the US is the Chevy Volt or the Chevy Bolt. And it's $32,000. Yeah. And, and before everyone gets on, well, US has different safety standards. Yes, but a lot of these However, vehicles pass those safety standards. Yeah. It, it's not like the the EU doesn't have safety standards. <laughs> it's not like Australia <laughs> well, doesn't have safety standards. And, and Mike Jones brings up a, a point. He says, uh, Europe is much more compact. It makes it easier for more efficient cars. North America is more spread out apart in comparison. So you need the longer range. And the thing is, number one, the car Jeff's talking about with a range of 230 miles, that's going to be topping out of almost any offering in the United States anyways. But also, I drive a car with an effective electric range of 50 miles, and it gets me everywhere I need to go. And the number one like bit, I find myself... <clears throat> constantly people are always like oh how do you like it you know what what they're driving me out i'm like oh it's great you know you know it doesn't get very far and they're like oh well what if i needed to (laughs) drive straight across the country in one go and i'm like well you should rent a car if if you have this car you should rent one which is luckily an option in every major city in the United States. Right. I, I can walk into <laughs> I can walk into the Hertz dealer or the Hertz lot that is yeah. literally three miles from my house and walk out of there with with a Nissan Altima and drive across the country in about an hour. And you can drop it off at the other Hertz dealership. Right. Also if I if I have more than an hour or two to plan, planes are a thing. <laughs> Buses, buses, trains. Uh, although I'm not all that hyped on the bus and the train situation on the West Coast, but no. But you could theoretically take the Amtrak from mm-hmm. where we are up to Portland, and then if you need to go to the East Coast, it connects to the East Coast. Yep. Like it'll take you a while, but it connects. Yeah. Um, 
But it's just it's just a non-argument when people are like, "Well, what if I go to do this?" I'm like, "Then it you just plan takes a little bit of extra planning." The- right. It shocks me, and they're like, "Well, what if I need more than fifty miles?" I'm like, "I'm sorry, there's almost not been a single instance where I left for work in the morning with my car and been like, shoot, I need another seventy miles.'" Like, right. no, when I'm done with work, I go home. Right. <laughs> like, you know, and if I got to drive really far, I plan it out. Like, I can make it pretty far, and then it's like, okay, I just find a fast charging station, and I can do that, and I can go a little further. Right. Like, my it's, my my it's one silly. my one way commute used to be thirty miles. Like, I used to commute one way thirty miles to work every single day, and in fact, at its peak was about forty two miles before I moved significantly closer. Yeah. Um, but I. I did that commute for almost 13 years. Uh, I It wasn't until I moved into this house in, in late 2019, early 2020, that my commute dropped to 12 miles, and then six months later, I resigned. <laughs> so I put a lot of miles on vehicles. Yeah. Uh, I, I was the 80,000 in three years kind of kind of driver of a car. Uh, where I wouldn't buy a new car because I would drive that thing into the ground faster than I'd get any value back out of it. I would rather buy a car with 50,000 miles already on it, buy a, a three to four year old car that someone's, you know, driven the the least mileage on it, um, and then drive that car into the ground because at least I'm only paying two thirds of the retail price of it. Uh, and so that's what I did. Um, I, I went through probably four different vehicles in, in 13 years. Um, all of which I bought at about 50,000 miles and then I put 220,000 miles on them and then sold them. Um, uh, I, three times I did that, three times I did that and, and then had bought a fourth vehicle. Uh, uh, I, I bought a truck and then the Z car, uh, within a year of each other. And so I kind of swapped off driving with those. So yeah. I, I spread my lot, my lot out across two vehicles at that point. Yeah. But, but yeah, um, the number of times that, let, let's say you bought the Nissan Leaf brand new and you were doing my commute and you had 30 miles one way, so that's 60 miles a day. That means you have an extra 20 miles that's just gravy. If you need to drive across town and pick up your dry cleaning or pick up dinner or whatever else, it's four miles out of your way. Like you're not exactly yeah. breaking the bank there. The number yeah. of times that I needed to leave work and then unexpectedly drive an extra 60 miles was once in those 13 years. Yeah. And the only reason it was, was because I found a deal on Craigslist that I wanted to pounce on in freaking Vancouver, Washington. And so I called the guy at like three in the afternoon and said, hey, can I meet you at like 5.30? And he goes, yeah. And so I got off work and I jetted to I-5 and sprinted the, the 60 miles north. Heck yeah. It's not like it's a daily occurrence and and I I can't find anyone who it would be for. Like you're just randomly driving 60 miles out of your way. Yeah. Yeah. And I would it, love and, to have something like this Honda and van. Yeah. And it sucks that we're not allowed. We're not allowed. Mm-hmm. We're not allowed to even have like you're you're talking about those uh, like key cars and stuff. Like the key uh, the key class trucks and stuff are so cool. Yep. They have the same size bed as any 
Ford pickup. Yep. Yeah, four foot by six foot. You can fit a sheet of plywood if you lay it flat, and then you can stack up ten of them and wrap uh, them down. You're good to go. Like yep. those things would be so cool, but you don't see them in the United States, not only because like the cost of even importing them is just like astronomical. Mm-hmm. Like it's just ridiculous. Like yeah, yeah. But yeah, the uh, the the comment on here, and and the reason this set this off is because I've been looking at, like I said, those cheap electric vehicles that are you know. 250 300 mile range for like eight to twelve thousand dollars us um i agree with a couple of comments here why did we not see these types of vehicles being offered in the us i'd be happy to present configuration especially at an equivalent ten thousand dollars do these companies ever do research uh to see if such models might be successful in, in the american market or is it a matter of taking advantage of gullible americans willing to spend fifty thousand dollars which is the average price of a new car in this country who the hell in your friend group, can you think of, can come up with $50,000 for a new car tomorrow? Like, like I'm... <laughs> the problem is, is they're, they're going to go finance it. They're going to finance it for seven and a half years or whatever, you know, and yeah. they're going to be, ha- they're going to have a $500 payment. Mm-hmm. And if you want a new car, that's what you have to do. And, and I will say. Even the used car market is high. And, and I will say, um, we, uh, in 2021, we bought a brand new Toyota Sienna. We had a, a third child on the way. Uh, our current vehicle was not going to accommodate uh, even the two kids that we had as they're reaching school and beyond age. And uh, we, we needed something that we could easily get in and out of and transport kids and everything else. So minivan it is. Um, we spent 42,000 after trade on, on the minivan. And by the way, my truck was worth a lot of money at the time that we traded it in. So we're looking 55,000, uh, actual purchase price. We, we managed to finance 42. Um, but, uh, I totally see it. And, and even at 42, my payment on that is like $680 a month because I wanted it gone in five years. And, and I wasn't going to saddle myself with just paying interest for the first four years of the life of the vehicle. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it used to be, you know, we would laugh at our friends that had car payments that were eight, $900 a month. And that's just becoming more and more and more normal, you know? Right. Um, I used to only like okay if we get our payment under two twenty we're good to go. That's like, barely possible anymore, right? <laughs> um, most of the vehicles that uh, that I purchased, uh, like like I said, I, I went through three vehicles uh, where I, I bought them at about fifty thousand miles, and then over the course of the next five years, put one hundred and seventy thousand miles on them and sold them at, at between two hundred and two thirty. Like I did that three separate times. Um, my payment on those was like 200 bucks a month. Perfect. Personally, I've never, I I keep talking about this Ford Focus. My wife actually technically bought it before we were married, but, uh, I've personally never bought a car, um, for more than the cash in my bank account that I Mm -hmm. could just hand them in an envelope. (laughs) I envy you, sir. It's coming at price mm-hmm. here and there, you know, but but 
the Leaf, believe it or not, is uh, older than the Ford Focus, and uh, probably it's the most expensive car I've ever bought outright. Yeah, by o- by over two thousand um, dollars. But the flip side is like the maintenance is next to zero. It's an electric I'm motor. Not, like, there's you, no fluid you don't, changing. You don't have to service your Makita drill. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. And and the Leaf just basically needs brakes on top of that. <laughs> And even then, you know, these electric cars, the brakes last longer. Yeah. Uh, because of regenerative braking, regenerative baby. Braking. You, you've got tires off a Prius, so, you know, <laughs> it, it's $300 for a set of four. It's buy three, get yeah. one free at 100 bucks a piece. <laughs> yeah, it's great, man. And then gas is $5 a gallon, and I'm just, like, breezing on through. Yep. No it cost me 70 you know? cents a day to charge it. Guess what? I can drive another 50 miles now. I am thinking about upgrading to solar at my house. Are you? Yeah, I am. I've I've got the loan in front of me for it, and it's okay. uh, the the math checks out like a little too well. So I keep running it over and over and over, and it's like you have a fantastic property for solar. If, if I, know. I may be so bold, I know. Uh, like like thinking of number one, the amount of roof space that you have, and, and a lot two, of roof space, and, and where you are in town. Uh, like holy crap! Uh, see me. I, I'm in this little depression at the top of a hill. And uh, and so I only catch sun starting at about 10 in the morning in the summer. Uh, mm. And then we, we get afternoon sun, but then I'm also kind of in a depression at the top of a hill. So we also start to lose sun at like 4.30. Uh, I don't have a lot of like actual daylight hours with direct exposure. Uh, so my property is terrible for solar. Yeah. I wasn't sure, but they came out and they ran it through their algorithm mm-hmm. and they had some assessors out to look at it. And, you know, they're confident that the, what they've uh, proposed is that it could produce 90% of my power. I I don't doubt that. The only thing I can't figure out is what's normal for like how many panels are normal for people to get. Like, I feel like I've been proposed a lot of panel. Like, I've been walking around town and looking at what people have, and I can't figure out. It's like, do they only have that much because that's how big their roofs are? Or I think that's a what? lot of it. Uh, oftentimes, if you're buying solar, just buy whatever you can bear. Uh, right. what Whatever your property will, will withstand. Uh, because even if it's more than you need and you end up backfeeding the grid, you get paid back for that. And so if you overbuy you're going to make that money back just like if you underbuy you're you're not going to get quite the return that you want right and that's the thing like the the argument that i've that i've got myself into that makes it the most worthwhile is thinking about my electricity as its own loan versus the solar as a loan mm-hmm. and it's like i'm paying a lot of money to the power company either way Right. But at least this way, I'm also buying something for myself. Right. And at least this way at, you know, seven years, you start to break even and then you're going, now it's all gravy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's just a lot, you know, because, uh, yeah, I'm just afraid of commitment, but (laughs) that's really what it boils down to. I'm like, another loan? (laughs) (laughs) And like, it washes out pretty well. You know, I think like when you break it down, it does it does come out to more than my average power cost per month. Yeah. Like total, my total expenditure energy plus this loan comes out to like $50 on average more than yeah. my average power per month. 
But that doesn't really take into account excess energy production, mm-hmm. diminished use, all this type of stuff. So, right. I don't know. Um, I got a few more days to sign up on the loan if I want it, but. <laughs> You know, can we use your pool to cool your house? Like, can we? (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. Uh, Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of funny gimmicks, like the guy that came out and like was doing the assessment. He's like, well, you know, actually, we could do this, this, this. mm -hmm. You've got that other house thing over there. You could do that, this, the other. I was like, "Okay, man, you put way too much thought into this. I just want to charge my leaf for free. okay?" We got this nice side yard. You can kind of stand them up. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, today's video has a sponsor. And today's episode of Talking Heads is brought to you by Antline Audio and their full lineup of audio gear and accessories. I've personally never been a fan of gaming headsets, as I much prefer studio cans without all the RGB bells and whistles. The Antlion Mod Mic is a high-quality microphone that can attach your favorite headphones, turning them into the ultimate combo for gaming or content creation. The Mod Mic Wireless also ditches the cord, transmitting over AppDex, allowing for latency that's five times faster than Bluetooth. Regular viewers will also know that during live streams, I skip the cans and go for in-ear monitors, meaning Antlion's all-new Chimera IEMs are a combo rivaled only by whoever poured the first stout into a bourbon barrel. Available in either single or dual drivers, the handcrafted resin in-ear monitors deliver audiophile-approved quality with a flexible microphone that will wrap around and behind your ear so it stays securely in place. Check out the full lineup of gear from Antlion Audio by following the links down in the video description. And again, a huge thanks to Antlion Audio for sponsoring today's episode. Thank you, Antlion. There's no denying with Antlion. I'm I'm using their their duo driver right now. Nice. Uh, I've I've actually replaced my. Uh, I I had uh, some Sennheiser IE40s, and I've actually replaced those with the Antlion duos. They're they're that good. Nice. So, yeah. That's cool. And actually, probably okay. my my new travel setup because I, I love bringing like really nice audio gear traveling uh especially on planes you've seen me on planes i hate planes um i'll i'll, I'll... you me no <laughs> um so uh a couple years ago at ces uh i got one of these guys this is the uh the creative uh xfi xfi uh amp um it's a spatial audio emulator, and so it takes stereo input and then maps sound in like a three-dimensional space. Um, cool. Gives it a really cool amount of dimensionality and tonality, and it's completely customizable through a smartphone app. Anyway, I I drive one of these in my my laptop bag. That's cool. Daily, because if I want to listen to like good quality, you know. Uh, high resistance uh monitors and whatnot and, you know plug in like actually enjoy the audio file in my life um uh <laughs> then i then i use that as an amplifier uh that combined with these whole holy balls <laughs> it's good nice. it's really good one could say that you're flying with antline oh gosh 
Dang it, rat. Uh, geothermal is great for cooling and heating if you can go deep or go wide. Um, actually, I, I've been investigating some geothermal solutions, but geothermal hydro solutions. Um, yeah. I have, as, as you know, Rhett, um, an infinite amount of water <laughs> that I can work with here. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. So there is. A, How can you put this to work for you? There is a natural spring directly below my house, and I have actually been highly considering. Um, so, in August, our our heat pump decided to die. Oh. Uh, and and I think it's just a leak. But uh, they go, oh, for a leak assessment, we're going to have to put sensors out and measure freon from different areas and determine what? pressures and everything else. And by the way, once we're done with the assessment, you might as well just go ahead and buy a new heat pump. And I'm like, you can't, you can't shoot some soapy water and find the leak and then solder it and then repressurize me. Like, what the hell is wrong with you? And so everything that is wrong with right to repair, I have even more things to say about the HVAC industry and the experience that I got over the last two months of that. Jesus. Anyway, um, I actually talked to Wendell about this at uh, at uh, the 45 Drives Creator Summit um, because Wendell is very much in my camp of like, if you've gone out and you've gotten quotes from like two or three people and they're like four times more than you know it should cost. Then you seize the means of productions and you do it yourself. Which is what I did for merch and, and why I do all my merch in-house anymore. By the way, craftcomputing.store. Grab yourself a nucleated pint glass, uh, coasters, bottle openers, whiskey stouts. We've got them all. Um, I was talking to him about about this and Wendell actually went out and became HVAC certified so he could install his own HVAC systems in his properties because he was so tired of getting quotes just like that of like, well, if we're going to have to do any actual work, that's not just the plug and play install, then it's going to cost you like four times as much. You might as well just replace the whole thing. And he went, that's not an acceptable answer. Um, Insane. So I told him about a little plan that I have in the back of my head. And that is, I have an unlimited source of free uh, spring water that comes out at a constant 50 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, I'm looking at buying a couple of heat exchangers for cars, like transmission coolers, oil coolers, that kind of thing. Putting them in line with my HVAC return line going into my furnace um, because it's... It's all down in my, my crawl space. My entire furnace and all my ducting and whatnot, it all exists within like this 20 foot little section because uh, we have a split level house. And so if it's upstairs or downstairs, it just, the hose goes up or the hose goes down and that's it. Uh, so it's actually really neat and tidy. Um, I'm looking at putting a couple of heat exchangers into my HVAC system and basically creating a bong cooler so I can cool that 50 degree water down to about 40, maybe 42, and then pipe that through the heat exchangers. And then when I want air conditioning, I turn on the pump that circulates the water through it. Um, and so instantly I have 42 degree, you know, not quite freezing levels that you'd get from an HVAC, you know. Uh, refrigerator levels. Refrigerator levels, but cool decent decent amount of cooling exchange is going to happen there um and uh and make that work 
I want to work. I want that to work. I so want that to work. And it'd be like $300 for all the parts and electronics that I would need to make to build this whole system. Uh, so I've already gone out and sourced like the right size radiators and fans and everything else. And I can tie it into my, my HVAC relays and go, oh, when you would normally kick on the, the, the heat pump, just turn on the pump and, and the fans for the heat exchanger. And uh, and now you're in instead of you know twenty five degree refrigerant you're gonna be circulating forty two degree water, but if your heat pump is dead and not sending any refrigerant, it's still more efficient to run cold water through it. So why not do that? So I kind of want to try that. Uh, if anyone has any. Bong coolers will be horribly inefficient in the Pacific Northwest. Ah, you're thinking of our winters, which are like 80 to 90% humidity. You're not thinking of our summers in which Oregon is a natural desert with 15% humidity. We are the quintessential place to run bong coolers. Um, so, and all I'm talking about is- Who doing... do you think invented bongs, okay? Right. <laughs> and all I'm talking about is using a, an evaporative tower to uh, uh, mist the water, let it rain down, run air through it, and get the, the base of the water cooler, and then run that cooler water through my heat exchanger. Um, so, yeah, I know humidity has everything to do with bond cooling, and I only need air conditioning in the summer when it's 85 to 105 degrees outside. I don't need it in the winter when we have 90% humidity, when it's 40 degrees outside. Careful with oh. Wendell summoning. He appears and then is quickly summoned elsewhere and is often disoriented. <laughs> Very true. Very true. It happened a couple of times when we were having Indian food. It was really weird. Like, he just kind of phased in and out of existence. I think, Depends on how good the Indian food is, you know? I think GN Steve needed him for a quick question, and he's like, I'm trying to eat here, man. Come on. <laughs> you never mess with a man's chicken tikka masala. You know what I'm saying? Actually, I think he did have the tikka masala. <laughs> <laughs> That's uncanny. Yeah, I know Wendell and men like Wendell. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yep. Uh, Allison says, that's me educated on Oregon humidity. Yeah, uh, Oregon gets a name for like, it rains all the time, just like Seattle. Whereas Seattle is humid all the time. Uh, and, and they don't get nearly as hot as, as, as Oregon does in the summer. Um, Oregon, where 85% of the people live, is in the Willamette Valley. It's between the Cascades and the Coastal Ranges. So you've got the Coastal Range, the Cascades, and the Rocky Mountains. It's the A, B, and C of the mountain ranges of the, of the West Coast. Uh, we live between the first two. Um, in the winter, because we're coastal, we're less than 60 miles from the coast, is where the Coastal Range is at, and then we live just on the other side of it, um, that upwards draft from the coastal range of all the of all the systems lower the air pressure and allow rain to start dropping uh and so during the winter if there's any kind of moisture coming in it will accumulate as rain on this side of the coastal range it just that's why it, it and it really isn't rain most of the time it's like this constant mist we'll get an inch in a day 
but that inch is delivered over a 24-hour period. And and that's why it always rains in Oregon. Is is it's always so moist. Mm. Penny in the moist jar. Uh it's it's just always misting. Uh, it helps that I live in the foot of a coastal rainforest. Yes, so. that, that, that also is true. <laughs> that also helps. In the summer, Oregon is a natural desert. Um, there is actually no rain that happens here. And it's also because of where we are in the valley between two mountain ranges. Um, the pressure is not such to allow clouds to form to allow rain to fall. Um and so between June and August, so June, July, August, and even September, I think we average three days of rain. And most of the time, most years, we will see zero days of rain. It just doesn't rain here. We don't even get cloudy. It, it's it's glorious blue sky, 85 degrees. It's... It's the kind of summer that can trap a Californian here for winter. <laughs> uh, yeah, in the UK, that's what's known as drizzle. Yeah, here it's, uh, we call it drizzle as well. Um, but uh, actually the, yeah, we get a lot of rain, but only eight months of the year. And I mean only eight months of the year because it doesn't rain at all the other four. And what most of the rest of the country and the world would call a drought, we just call summer. And it's because we get enough rain during the winter that we stay green during the summer when it's not raining at all. So lots Look, of We fun. get it. Yep. We get it. The UK gets more rain than Oregon, but then it's like you live in the UK, you know? So. Ah. Uh. All right. Uh, so we've got only three more stories that I want to talk about. Really two, and then one is more of a shout out. Um, but I have finally reached the end of my first beer. Oh, wow. There we go. Uh, I want to open a fun one. Uh, when I go... Right near. I said a fun one. Uh, yes. So... When I go to a bar, how do I judge that bar on cocktails till the end of time? Like, give me one cocktail. I say, give me your old fashioned. If you can't even make an old fashioned, I don't want to drink at your bar. If if you if you can't serve me the burger and ketchup of a bar, um, I don't want anything else you serve. But what if they don't even have liquor? Uh, then that's different. Uh, then it's not a bar. Then it's a tap house. Well, come on. You don't want to drink there? Sir, this is a Wendy's. No, I don't <laughs> want to drink there. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, um, incidentally, Wendy's, terrible old fashions. Um, <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> uh, but I, I've been to bar... This has happened twice now, and it's it's... You know, if I had a nickel for every time I'd had that, I'd have 10 cents, which is weird because it's happened twice. Uh, uh, twice, I have now ordered an old-fashioned at a bar that that promoted the fact that they sold 
traditional like prohibition era cocktails. And I said, give me an old fashioned. What kind of whiskey do you want? Oh, great question. Great follow-up. Uh, I'll, I'll take Maker's Mark or this or that, or, you know, what, what's your selection or da da da. Um, and then the waitress will walk back and she'll have an exchange with the bartender. And then the waitress has to come back and say, I'm sorry. The bartender says he can't make an old fashioned cause he doesn't have the right mixers right now. It's like, what do you need for it's Angostura bitters. That's, that's like running. That's like selling fries and not having ketchup and salt. Like, <laughs> like it's the one thing that you carry that makes you a bar other than the whiskey. Like your first two <laughs> items for stocking a bar should be whiskey and Angostura bitters, <laughs> maybe sugar at a distant third, and then you can start expanding your catalog. But it's not that, yeah, good Doofenshmirtz reference. Thank you. I'm full of those tonight. Um, Don't feed them, guys. Anyway. Anyway. Um, by the way, fun story on 45 Drives. I got it confirmed that Storinator comes from Doofenshmirtz, comes from Phineas and Ferb, because it has to say Inator. Uh, it, it's, what does this do? It's the store Inator. And so when I did Craftinator, they were they were super super jazzed on that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I did get it confirmed that it's from Phineas and Ferb. Um, anyway, I also judge Italian restaurants on their creme brulee. So if I go to an Italian restaurant, I will have dinner there. I will judge you on your pasta. I will judge the out of you on your pasta. But I will get creme brulee for dessert if it's the first time I've been to that restaurant. Uh, I'm about to judge. Uh, <laughs> Uh, a, a very renowned uh, brewery. Uh, so this is uh, Adroit Theory. This is their confession series. By the way, this is Ghost uh, 54? M MVIV? Ghost 54? Uh, this is their creme brulee confessions. Okay. Um... Rhett, this is 16.5%. Goodbye. So this is happening now. See you later. Yeah. You know, we only got 40 more minutes in the show. I know. <laughs> so a little more carbonated than I expected. Mm. Um, it does look good. Yeah. Typically, I'd expect a little bit of a head to form on a beer like this. Um, this one is, it's pouring like Pepsi, where it, it it pours and fizzes and it aggressively fizzes and then immediately dies down. I would expect a beer like this to form a little bit more of a head. Um, but that's what we got. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have a top-down camera shot. Otherwise, I'd show you my nucleation glass in, in action because there's actually like this swirling bubble coming up from the bottom of the glass. It's kind of cool. Uh, anyway, 16.5% and Adroid Theory. 16.5% Adroid Theory. There we go. Confessions Creme Brulee. And that's without the 16% beer, guys. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's awful. He hates it. If that was a creme brulee, I would give it a pass. 
<laughs> By the way, when you serve creme brulee, it had better come on fire. When it arrives at the table, I blow it out. Okay? Like like rule number one, presentation. You eat with your eyes first. I want that blue, you know, crimsony flame. Uh underneath then it. with like a spanish coffee then right what that right in front of you right yeah no and, and and yes that's also what i will do is i will do either a spanish coffee or or a port and and then i'll do a creme brulee uh and and that's my that's my final course so yes uh gi pilot unreasonably excited uh jeff is going to have an out-of-body experience um 4.4 on untapped Nice. That's as close to perfection as you can get on Untapped. I want to chew this beer to to tell you like how thick it is. Instinctually, I think I should need to chew it before I swallow it. <laughs> it's it's thicker than some custards I've had. <laughs> Pepsi does that because it has no soul. <laughs> uh, light it on fire. Uh, I don't have a match near me. Uh, it, it wouldn't light anyway. It's less than 50%. A meaty man beer. Uh, this ain't no meaty man beer. This is... Uh, it's it's hard to call it a pastry stout because it's creamy. It is uh it is creamy smooth. It is the it's the inside of a Cadbury cream egg smooth. Um and and it's that level of richness like you'd want in a custard or a creme brulee or something like that. Judging an Italian restaurant on how it makes a a French dessert Yes, but that's because Italian and French is kind of uh, here. It, it's all. It's not like it's European cuisine. It's not like creme brulee is like some secret mystery that only French people know how to make, and they're like in an Italian restaurant. Like we have no idea how to do this. In yeah. fact, all food outside of our one small little boot shaped country is a complete mystery to us. Right. I mean, we didn't even have tomatoes before Christopher Columbus, and yet uh, I guess we're known for the tomato now, so. Yep. Uh, don't talk about the other pastry, Stoutcraft Computing. Yeah, may that one rest in peace. Um, <laughs> uh, I ordered a pastry stout, or opened a pastry stout. It will remain nameless because this particular pastry stout has one hell of a fantastic reputation, even with me. Um, like, I've had a dozen of them, and... Uh, I got one that went bad. Uh, oh. uh, 12.5% -er, bomber. Big beer. Really big, tall beer. I'd been aging for over a year. And on Sunday night, uh, Sunday night is my date night with my wife, uh, which means we will either play Mario Kart or watch a movie. Uh, we'll do one of the two. We'll sit down in the living room, but we open beers. And, and she'll open like some really big bomb ciders uh uh two town cider house super bad apples a particular favorite of hers 12 percent cider uh 
And, uh, and I usually use that day as an excuse to open like one of my 12 or 14% stouts or something like that. And like, yeah, like let's have a beer. Um, so I opened a pastry stout that I'd been aging for right around a year. Uh, and, uh, it was a stout with chocolate and lactose added to it, which should actually age pretty well. Um, it turned into like a thin balsamic vinegar with chunks of rotten chocolate and lactose floating in it. It was bad. It was really bad. It was... And the thing that, that tipped me off was it poured extremely thin. It's a pastry stout and it poured, but it was highly carbonated and did kind of what this beer did where it went... And, and just like immediately died and went flat. But it poured thin. Um, this one, not so thin. Uh, but yeah, that was... Uh, when I took a sip and got a chunk in my mouth, that was tipping me off that it was not... <laughs> not going to do well. Oh, that is good. Oh, my God. I'm not going to call that out-of-body experience. But it's close. I, I'd like to leave my body and enter the stout now. Uh, what? <laughs> Throw it on the pan, then toss in some stale donuts. Viola! <laughs> The uh, pecans were forming back to their original state. Uh, yeah, as arsenic. <laughs> uh, uh, Jake says, craft computing, suck it down just like Picard without egg. There are children starving in Africa. Uh, children starving in Africa should not be given a 12.5% pastry stout. Like, <laughs> that's not going to do them any favors. Um... Yeah, if if anything, you're draining their bodies of of water at that point. Like that's that's not that's not good for them. Balsamic chocolate reduction technique. Yeah, but you forgot to strain it. That's where you went wrong. <laughs> anyway, moving right along here. Uh there is an incredible deal on an enterprise storage solution that you guys need to know about right now. And I rarely do this. I rarely do this uh, where I will just say, hey, if you're looking for this particular part, get on Amazon and go buy this part because holy crap, it's a good deal. Holy crap, this is a good deal. Not only such a good deal, it actually made talking heads as a talking point. Um, Intel's DC P4510. This comes in two, four, and eight terabytes and it is not a SATA or a SAS drive. It is a U.2 NVMe. It is a U. It is an yeah. It's an NVMe Gen 3 drive based on 3D TLC NAND. Um, but unlike a lot of 3D TLC NAND that we see today, this one's actually enterprise grade, in which it can withstand. Uh, what did they say? One drive write per day. 
for up to five years, which means 13.88 terabyte written uh, uh, drive rating capacity endurance. Endurance is the word I'm looking for. Um, now, you might think this drive is thousands of dollars, and ordinarily you'd be right, as it retailed for $5,000 at launch. However, if I go to, hold on, where's my, that's that, there we go, I forgot to copy this one over. If I go to the Amazon link down in the video description, this drive sold brand new from Dell is $399 today. Eight terabyte Gen 3x4 NVMe U.2 Enterprise SSD with 13.8 petabyte write endurance capacity, $400. Basically a couple of bucks more than you'd pay for a four terabyte consumer drive. Eight terabytes solid state. Think about that. <laughs> Think about that. Let it sink in. Let it uh, let it consume you. Holy crap. That's a good deal. By the way, they also have the two terabyte one down to $210. So slightly worse value uh, as, as far as uh, uh, price per gigabyte. If you're talking about like five versus 5.3 cents per gigabyte. Uh, but, uh, still eight terabytes of infinitely endurable NAND memory. You have my attention. So yeah, the drive will outlive you. Yeah. Um, this is a drive that, uh, is comparable to drives like the Sun F40 and F80 as far as write endurance goes. It's not quite to that level because if you consider the capacity of those drives, those were 200 gig disks on uh, on on a carrier board. Um, but uh, like the Sun F80, the 800 gigabyte Sun F80, uh, it had a write endurance of like. 20 petabytes written over its lifetime or something like that, but that was spread across all four disks. Um, so yeah, did you say ZFS write, uh, read cache? Hell yes, you said ZFS read cache. Uh, time to build my new NAS. Um, man, if, if I could afford like six of these, I totally would right now. Now the really crazy thing is that, Rhett, you remember this day. Back in, what was it, March or April or something like that, um, we were struggling because we've been trying to to up the the bit rate of, of recording. And so we've been going uh, ProRes 420, 422. Uh, I think we finally settled on ProRes LT at 422 8-bit. Um, but that's still... Huge. Like the average project is like 200 gigabytes of just raw <laughs> video. Uh, less than an hour recording, 200 gigs of raw video. <laughs> um, and getting that data even across a 10 gig network, it, it if you're trying to scrub a timeline from a NAS, 
there are times even mechanical hard drives in in an eight drive z2 don't quite keep up and so we actually created a new pool in my my TrueNAS server that i'm using four two terabyte gen 4 discs uh and i bought these discs on a day in march and i went okay those western digital sn 770s two terabyte drives i think i spent 350 dollars a piece on in april <laughs> this is four times the capacity for the same price <laughs> yeah it's disgusting is what it is well i hope you guys enjoyed this deal because after the stream is done they're going to be gone so mm. <laughs> so anyway link in the description go check them out something else to check out the raspberry pi 5 is official it's officially official um after raspberry pi swore up and down that we would not see a new raspberry <laughs> pi in 2023 here comes the one that we've been waiting for for literally four years uh <laughs> it's the raspberry pi 5 the successful successor to the raspberry pi 4. um so what all are we getting for the upgrade um unfortunately the the whole concept of 35 dollars computer i think it dies here uh because these are coming out at 60 and 80 dollars yeah. for the four and eight gigabyte models respectively there might be a two gig model that comes out for 40 dollars later on um but if you consider where economically we stand i think 35 dollars pc from 2011 we're probably still solidly in the ballpark uh yeah. of where that exists today uh what got upgraded well instead of a 1.2 gigahertz uh arm cortex a72 cpu we are now rocking a 2.4 gigahertz cortex a76 cpu more instructions more frequency more power more better uh also the video core has been upgraded from video core 6 to video core 7 gpu and we've also increased its base frequency from 500 megahertz to 800 megahertz it also supports OpenGL es 3.1 and vulcan 1.2 natively uh dual 4k 60 hertz output over micro hdmi ports on the side of the board right here uh unlike the previous generation which could output 4k and as long as you didn't move anything worked just fine um this one will actually output dual 4k 60 monitors and can decode video at 4k 60 and will display it without dropping frames um it really is a massive leap forward if you're looking at this for like digital signage uh even even you know as a sub 100 desktop pc replacement uh this can definitely drive a 4k monitor now uh uh memory capacities four gigabyte and eight gigabyte are the two official models for 60 and 80 dollars respectively um dual band ac wi-fi bluetooth 5.0 and the gigabit ethernet are still all controlled by the chip that they were before 
Uh, the interesting thing is this has four discrete USB controllers on that Broadcom chip now. So each individual port on this is a separate USB controller, which means you're going to get full bandwidth USB from every single port to the CPU, regardless of what you plug into it, which means you're going to get full 5 gigabit bandwidth off USB 3.0. You're going to get full 480 megabit per second bandwidth off USB 2.0, and you don't have to share bandwidth between ports anymore. That's huge. Um, gone is the display output, the uh, the MIPI display output, and in comes two camera slash display dual driver. Uh, so mode switching ports on here. You can plug cameras into this or you can plug displays into this. Doesn't matter. Kind of a cool feature. Uh, yep. For... For machine vision, for 3D capturing, for virtual reality, for a lot of different applications where before you needed two Raspberry Pi Zeros or maybe two Raspberry full-on Pis, um, you can now plug two cameras in and get full-on stereo vision natively, no translation, no post-processing required. That's a huge addition as well. The other major addition is we now have a PCI Express 2.0 X1 lane directly on the board itself. No hat required, no compute module required. Sorry, there will be a hat required eventually. And eventually they, uh, Raspberry Pi is coming out with an NVMe hat, so you can boot this off of an NVMe drive over that PCI Express 2.0 interface. Um, that interface is good for about one gigabyte per second or about four gigabit per second. Uh, not too shabby considering what this board actually is and the level of compute that you have at hand here. Um, retains backwards compatibility with uh, pretty much every GPIO device that's ever been created. It has the same pinout 40-pin uh, GPIO header. Uh, the new Raspberry Pi also has the additions of a real-time clock, uh, a power processing circuit, which you can see down here, which also has its own serial output, which you can read off the Raspberry Pi. You can read power in, power out, power to all the devices, what the power states of everything is. Uh, very, very cool. A lot more modes selectable via the US or via the USB-C power delivery as well. Um, so those who have always struggled, like me, with power delivery to Pis, always getting low voltage notifications and things like that. Uh, as long as you feed it a good USB-C power source now, that controller is going to take care of all of those low power issues that you had before. And for the first time on a Raspberry Pi, power button you can turn it on and you can turn it off and you don't have to unplug no. it or rely on a switch on a usb-c connector which disrupts the usb-c signaling and all that kind of stuff we can't trust this new power button technology what is this it's like widescreens all over again <laughs> so very cool new raspberry pi um, uh, still does have power over Ethernet via a hat, although it is going to require a new hat as the power over Ethernet pins are now down here instead of up here like they used to be. Um, and that's because the Ethernet port itself has moved back to its original location like the Raspberry Pi 2, whereas the Raspberry Pi 4 had flipped it up to the top. Um, so just a board layout issue made that circuitry move. 
Uh, so you're going to need a new hat if you want power over Ethernet delivery. Um, this is a really cool addition. Uh, it's a really cool new new project from Raspberry Pi from the OG universally accepted single board computer. Uh, and, and the reason I phrase it like that is there were single board computers before this. There have been single board computers after this. Um, this is the one that made them cool. This is the one that built an ecosystem, made them accessible. Uh, and it's all part of Raspberry Pi's goal of making computing accessible, just like the BBC micros, just like, you know, a, a lot of different, different things from, from bygone eras of making computing accessible for everyone. And, and while it's gotten more expensive, it's also infinitely more powerful than the original Raspberry Pi was. Um, I've been following the Raspberry Pi project since the inception. Um, I am original. Per I am an original purchaser of a Chinese-made 256 megabyte Raspberry Pi Model B. Um, I have a red PCB to prove it. Uh, so I have been following them literally since the very beginning. Back since they were using like microcontrollers and going like, "Hey, can we just like make basic programming accessible to everyone? Like, can we bring bring back the BBC Micro? That was their original goal." And then they partnered with Broadcom and said, "Hey, let's give you a full ARM processor and give you like a desktop environment and crap." And and Evan went, "Yes, please." Um, so super cool to see this latest evolution of it. Um, are there better single board computers out there? Absolutely. But that's never been what Raspberry Pi has really been about. It, it, Raspberry Pi has been about making it accessible. And accessibility, it's hard to argue with $60 for literally a full-fledged computer where you need to provide USB power, keyboard, mouse, and a monitor. Um. Like... The only the only systems that I've seen that are starting to compete with that, obviously there's there's boards with the uh, the the RK the the Rock series of processors the RK thirty five eighty eight RK thirty five sixty six that are starting to hit sub one hundred dollar prices. There there's a lot of different single board computers out there. Orange Pi is Orange Pi three at fifteen dollars uh, for for that price. Um, the Zima Blade is the one that I've actually been really impressed with, price point wise, price to performance wise. Um, where, yeah, you can do some decent things on on an Orange Pi three fifteen dollar computer, but those things have already been done by twenty dollar computers for years, and so you're not really breaking any new ground. Uh, not to make this back about Zima Blade again, but Zima Blade bringing an x eighty six hackable PC that's expandable with PCI Express and everything else for. $65. It's kind of after the original heart of Raspberry Pi, if you don't mind me stretching that too far. Uh, so, yeah. Longtime fan of the Raspberry Pi. This is a solid addition to their lineup. Uh, oh, they have a, a built-in battery header as well. You can plug in a battery natively, and because of the new charging or the new power circuitry, it also handles charging. So you don't need external charging and battery solutions anymore. If you're making robotics or mobile uh, items, that's a super cool addition as well. And holy crap, that is good. 
That might have been too good of a beer to open. <laughs> All right. Probably right. Uh, but will what the Pi 5 drive with? antlions? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, there is one retraction from the Raspberry Pi 5. And it used to sit right here. And that is the combo 3.5 millimeter composite video and audio output jack. Analog audio is no longer an output option natively on the Raspberry Pi. For better or for worse. Now, we've been given new functionality of these dual camera and display input-output multifunction boards. We've been given PCI Express. We've been given power circuitry that can also handle batteries. We've been given a real-time clock. We've been given four independent USB controllers for each individual USB port on here. Uh, we have full gigabit Ethernet on its own dedicated controller. Um, we lost analog audio. However, for like five bucks on Amazon, you can get a USB analog audio card. So, and let's be real, the analog audio on the Raspberry Pi was never setting any records for quality. It was there to be able to function. Uh, so if you truly need audio, $5 will get you a USB 2.0 audio adapter. That's what you do. Thank you for pointing that out. No more analog audio. Oh, no. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh. All right. We do have a bit of a serious note to talk about. Um, I don't want to talk about this at length as as if we lost someone because he's definitely not lost um but one of the ogs in the pc review industry uh recently has has uh had some some personal things crop up uh for those who have not been following for those who don't know uh who gordon ung is Gordon Ung is a longtime PC World contributor, hosts the, the, the Full Nerd podcast, of which I was on with, uh, with Adam Patrick uh, back at uh, LTX uh, just a couple of months ago. Um, normally, Gordon hosts that show. Adam stepped up and, and hosted the show at LTX. And Gordon has been absent of that show and has been very much kind of on the sidelines for the last couple of months. And there's been a lot of speculation as to why. Um, Gordon rejoined the Full Nerd podcast over on PC World uh, yesterday, yesterday morning, uh, and revealed that he has been battling a very acute and aggressive form of cancer. That's all he went into it. I'm not going to pry. I'm not going to, to ask any more details than that. Gordon, I do want you to know uh, my thoughts are with you. I, I, I want to send all of my best out to you, to your family, to your friends, to, to those who, who are now battling alongside you. 
But I guess he's been going through chemo for at least the last month and a half. Um, I've I've known so many people who have gone through chemo. It 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 hurts my heart every single time I hear of someone else having to do it. And so Gordon, I I I, I want to reach out and I want to say, hey, I'm with you. I got your back. I can't wait to see you back. But on that note, um, why do I call Gordon an OG of the industry? So I had a thought today. A lot of people know Gordon from PC World. Uh, he's been the host of the, the Full Nerd podcast for like a decade. Um, he, he has been very well known over there for a very long time. But did you know Gordon Ung has been in this industry for like 25 or 30 years. Like I, I think 25 years as a dedicated PC journalist, reviewer, etc. So I wanted to know how far back that went. Um, I, I'll be perfectly honest. I don't follow a lot of Gordon Ung on PC World. It, it's just, I don't watch a lot of podcasts anymore. And, and uh, I, I, I did know he was doing it, but I know Gordon Ung from Maximum PC, from the magazine, because that's what I read when I was coming of age and, and getting excited about computers and, and learning about all these these different things. Um, and uh, you might not know this, but Gordon Ung was one of the starting members, one of the starting crew of Maximum PC. Uh, so... How far back does that go? Well, I pulled this up today. Okay. This right here is the September 98 premiere issue of Maximum PC. Meet the Ultimate Dream PC, which became a standard of Maximum PC for years to come. They would build the Ultimate PC every single year. Uh, think of like LTT does the compensator, like they did that for a number of years. Uh, Maximum PC started that with the Dream PC. We're going to build something with absolutely no compromises to it. We're going to custom make everything inside of it. And, and we're going to build the absolute best PC that can ever be made. And so the premiere issue was starting with that. And you can really tell the times because it's a CRT on top of a desktop PC. With a hard hat? With, with, with someone's hard hat on a Microsoft Wave keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> um anyway this is the premier issue the very first issue of maximum pc there's a really interesting page though in this in this issue because it is the first issue we don't know who these people are we don't know what their credentials are who the hell are these people uh so if we scroll through we get table of contents we get the dream pc 98 we get the cpu roadmap 2000 of amd cirrix and intel and idt centaur cranking up uh production to see who will have the best processor come 2000 which is still 15 months away remember cirrix and idt centaur i do uh Let's see. Let's go to the next one. Uh, we've got reviews of uh, the DV300, <laughs> a Firewire PCI expansion card for your PC. That's all it does. That's all it does. Um, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, we've got some some very standard things on the line. Game theory, ask the doctor. Those were regular mainstays in Maximum PC. But there's an interesting one right here. Page 17, meet the crew. Let's go meet the crew, shall we? Oh, the, the ads are fantastic in here as well. Here's an I really here's, I miss magazines. Here's an NVIDIA ad from, from this magazine introducing the new Riva TNT 3D processor. Do you feel the G forces when you sit down at your PC? G <laughs> force wasn't even a word yet. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's there's Nvidia. Um, if Windows ninety eight makes your TV jealous, ATI uh, has to take a lot of that blame. Uh, brain food, maximumpc.net. You can get all of your maximum PC content online. Well, let's scroll down to the Meet the Crew, shall we? 1998. There is... Oops. Where'd he go? He was there. Oh, you're on the wrong page. I swear. You clicked. There he is. There is Gordon Ung, online editor for Maximum PC. Amazing. Um, that is how long Gordon has been in this industry. He has been a voice in this industry. He has been a presence. Um, Gordon, get well soon. That's what I want to say. Is I, I I have known people with cancer. I I have everyone has. I mean that's that's not unique to me. Everyone has known someone with cancer who has battled, gone through chemotherapy, done done all kinds of, of things. Um and from what I understand this came on rather suddenly is this was I was fine one day and then I woke up sick and I've been sick ever since. Um Gordon I don't even care about the YouTube censors anymore. Fuck cancer. Kick its ass. Come back to us even better. Okay? And we got your back. Oh yeah. Here, So I thought that was fun because I, I read the crap out of Maximum PC. I still have a stack of them in my garage, like this tall. Like I, like I have like six or seven years worth of Maximum PC. I don't go quite <laughs> as far back to 1998. I think I have, I know I have some 1999 issues and I know I have the original Gigahertz Race Rocket issue somewhere. I need to find that one. Um, but, uh, yeah. So I've been reading Gordon for a long time. Uh, by the way, in the very next episode or in the very next issue, he has a review of a creative sound card. That is fantastic. <laughs> in the October issue, I went back and read that today. <laughs> uh, Gordon did the online, uh, Q and A on he was the online editor and also did sound card reviews uh, on release of Maximum PC, uh, and he's been in the tech industry as a reviewer and as a presence and as a as a personality ever since. So get well soon, man. And with that, uh, it is seven fifty five. We are out of some news, uh, but what do you guys want to talk about? Uh, obviously, it was a uh, 
it was kind of a busy industry in or busy industry, busy week in tech. A lot of announcements of things that we had already kind of known. Uh, we obviously talked about uh, Counter Strike Two last week uh, of it being launched. Um, but big layoffs. Yeah, yeah, like layoffs and arrests and everything else. An ROG laptop yeah. showed up at trial. Like, there's a whole bunch of things I really didn't want to talk about on this show. But Unity's licensing change just has everybody reconsidering the way they're making their own indie games. Well, and... we talked about Unity a couple weeks ago about that whole news dropping, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then all the backpedaling that's happened since then. Yeah. Well, we really didn't expect everyone to have a problem with us digging into their bottom line. Um, I, I will say my my gut reaction to the Unity thing was they're asking for 2%. This doesn't seem like a huge thing. And as long as it's done as part of the user agreement, as part of the acceptance of the licensure, I think it's fine. I think it was a BS move to retroactively try to go back and erase history and go, oh no, you don't get this for free. You have to pay us 2.5% of all your revenue. Um and like I said, if you want to do that moving forward, then that's a conversation you have. And there's new terms of licensing that go into place. If you download new developer kits, new updates, whatever else, that's the licensing moving forward. And you're more than outright to do that. But the the gaslighting of the, we have the right to go back and count installs for everyone that's ever used Unity. That was a bit much. Uh, yeah. Maybe dial that back. Maybe run that through legal first to see if it's you know under any level of scrutiny. Uh, well, and what's you know what's interesting is you know Unity is really powerful, but they became popular due to their generous licensing uh, mm-hmm. arrangements, and uh, so I think it feels just like a big slap in the face to kind of go back from that. And and they had their big controversy in 2017. Um, where they tried to change some of their terms and stuff as well, and people weren't a big fan of that. And mo- right then and there, the house split into two, and a lot of people went to other engines. New mm-hmm. engines popped up like overnight. Nothing as ubiquitous or as powerful as Unity, but things that people are still using to this day. And that saw a hefty increase in users and uh, financial backing with this current unity debacle so it's like i guess if they just keep messing up every few years you know eventually we'll have (laughs) somebody other than unreal to to go into game development with yeah who thought unreal and epic would be a a bad bed partner like (laughs) they seem perfectly stable (laughs) well and then what really bums me out is like with the epic uh with the epic layoffs you know uh um, because Epic bought Bandcamp, which is a, a service that I'm like heavily, I don't know, not emotionally invested in is probably the best word. I just like, I just love the service. Yeah. Trying to get away from streaming as much as possible. And they sold off Bandcamp as part of their layoffs and restructuring and everything. It's like, oh, we the, just please. The thing, the thing that gets me about all of the tech layoffs as, as someone who, is now just simply an observer of the industry. 
like I used to be in the industry and now I'm I'm simply on the outside looking in as a like, wow, that's messed up or hey, way to go. Um, is a lot of these layoffs are pre predicting a downturn in markets rather than reacting to a downturn in markets. Oh, right. Microsoft laid off 3,000 people? We need to lay off 3,000 people too because they obviously know something we don't, even though no one's revenue has dropped. Well, and that's, yeah. That, and, that's been and, one of the and, most interesting things to me is... And they all react to each other. Just It sets off a chain reaction. Yeah. Is, is everyone from Qualcomm to, to Unreal to Microsoft to Meta to... Salesforce. Sales, is, is laying off tech workers left and right when revenue hasn't dropped. Like they're going, oh, upcoming recession. Um, yeah, if you lay off a million people, there's going to be a recession. I don't know if you knew that. Um, yeah. Maybe... Maybe try to weather the storm. See if there isn't a recession. Yeah. Didn't Microsoft? Yeah, Microsoft. Lay, didn't they lay off like ten thousand people or something? I think ten. Yeah, was, yeah. Uh, Microsoft did number. ten thousand. Meta did like twelve. Obviously, Twitter is whoever is draws the short straw that day when they wake up. Um, they only have twelve employees. So I know. Um. Yeah, and then what's crazy too is that you know if you're really skeptical, it's like hmm, all of these layoffs kind of coincided with the large language models becoming really popular, which you know anybody who's messed around with can see that it's perfectly functional at drafting very small bits of code that then need to be babysatted, but uh, babysit. But and then you see the studies coming out where it's like, well, uh, these developers who have access to language models can perform work at 50% increased rate and blah, 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 blah. It's like, okay, well. Yeah, Suddenly we're laying off 50% of this team and we're expecting that much more output yeah. out of the existing team because now we have new tool sets that should make your job easier. It's like, no, it just makes it harder. I Honestly, I think the language models can do a better job than most CEOs, so we should start laying them off first. If, if you can be the CEO of four companies at the same time, you can pay workers a living wage. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sorry, my 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 one job that I work from from 8, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. is not the only job that I can ever work. And, and I don't have to live and breathe the company. I can work for Coca-Cola and still drink Pepsi. No one's going to die. Uh, I used to work for Coca-Cola and, and I understand um, the outward appearance of if I'm a Coca-Cola employee, Coca-Cola employee, um, I can't be seen drinking a bottle of Pepsi on the clock. Like I can't be in a Coke truck and going, oh yeah, that's the shit right there. Like that's just bad optics for the company. And that's understandable. But I got told, we don't want you having Gatorade in your house because Gatorade is is a fluid of the man of Pepsi and we expect you if you work at Coca-Cola that you will drink Powerade <laughs> doesn't matter if it's a Sunday volleyball doesn't matter if it's a Tuesday morning pickup game 
you cannot be seen with a Pepsi product in your hand. I'm like, 90% of the planet, number one, doesn't even know that Gatorade is a Pepsi product. Number two, um, I'm on my own dime at that point. You pay me for work hours. Yeah. That's where your jurisdiction ends. It's like uh, at the beginning of Outer Worlds when that uh, guy is going to let himself die because you only have a Spacer's Choice med pack (laughs) and nothing else. (laughs) And he's like, "Uh, I don't know if I can afford to use that. Yeah. If this makes the papers, I'm dead anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Well, that's the future we're headed to, so everybody buckle up. Yeah. Yeah, this is where we this is where we wanted our capitalist society to be. Is choice is a myth anyways. I mean it's there's only four companies, companies that own anything. So Exactly. So Uh what if you drank Pepsi? P E P S I E. Uh I don't know that it would matter because if it's not a Coke product, then it's a competing product. And and we need to know where your allegiances lie. You know, I read the other day that uh, Pepsi really wanted to break into like the, the, the fountain drink market right at the fast food restaurants, but they just uh-huh. couldn't do it because Coke Coke was just dominating. Yeah. The terms were just too competitive. Am I going to Pepsi? So Pepsi had Coke to... okay? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, Pepsi had to buy three restaurant franchises in order to serve Pepsi products. So they bought Taco Bell, Taco Bell, KFC and Pizza Hut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's crazy. Um Yeah, yeah predicting a recession is how you create a recession. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm kind of fully on board with that. Like I, I'm I'm not. I have no financial expert, uh, but the tech industry right now seems so reactive to other tech players laying people off. And if it starts with Twitter, it feels like you should just probably write that off uh, as as an Elon being Elon. But yeah. No, it's too obvious. Yeah. No, he's What's playing 40 chess. We need to yeah. lay off twice as many people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. By the way, record profits and recession never happen at the same time. Just saying. Now, right now, Jeff, we're living in an unprecedented times. Clearly, whatever we're doing is working. Let's keep doing it. Yeah. Clearly, just charging 30% more and hoping no one notices is working for literally every industry. Well, here's to the future. (laughs) Michael, with a $2 Aussie super chat. Market speculation, 2008. Did something yep. big happen in 2008? <laughs> uh, some exec- some executives should have gone to jail and then didn't. Uh, and then nothing else of consequence happened other than half of middle America lost their houses. 
uh, that they couldn't just afford to live in. But I bet you people, normal everyday people, all bought those houses back, right? Um, no, as it turns out, corporations bought those houses back and they now rent them back at what? double the rates to the people who lost those houses. You tell me there's no controls on what corporations can do and that they're basically people according to our laws? I, I'm very much telling you that and and that every dollar you spend is tightly controlled by some greater entity than yourself. No. No. It's almost like there's no ethical consumption under consumerism, guys. So, under capitalism, rather. So, yeah. you know, don't play the game. It's the only way to win. My wife and I were looking at consolidating some finances. And uh, I, I've been very vocal. I've been a cord cutter for 10 years or so. Um, and it's because I got dicked around by Dish and DirecTV for, you know, back to back years so many different times and finally said, no, I'm done. Like the one good promise I ever had was Dish Network and they had a $90, we'll give you all of this hardware, all of this packaging, and you will never pay more than $90 a month ever, period, end of discussion. Here's no contract, no nothing, sign up. Here's the dotted line, here's your price forever. Cool. Except it's not. Went up $5, three years later. Now I went, yeah. okay, cost of new business. Went up another $5, another year later, I went, I was only supposed to be paying 90, now I'm paying 100. That's $120 more a month or more yeah. per year. Uh, then it went up to 125 and I went, I'm out. And uh, and I never looked back. I, I, I canceled my dish and they're like, well, why? Well, it's 40% more than you said it would be. <laughs> it's not that freaking difficult. And we all cut cords, and now it's not even as affordable, so... That's exactly right. And and now you have to a la carte where you're going to spend your $100 a month rather than being able to just get everything for $100 a month. And you mm -hmm. still don't get everything for $100 a month. And so we only have four services that we buy into. We still have Netflix on their streaming plan for, like, $11. We have Hulu, we have Paramount+, Plus, and we have Disney. And those are our four. That's about 50 bucks a month. Um, and 50 bucks, I'm willing to spend on entertainment as long as we use it. As long as we're like, yes, like on the weekly, we are using the service and, and getting more than a couple dollars value out of it. Um, because you figure, even if I only watch, let's say five things on Disney Plus per month, let's say I spend $2 on each thing, that's $10. That pays for my subscription, and would I pay $2 to see an episode of Ashoka? I think so. I think that's a fair return. And so, I don't mind paying 6 to 8 to 10 to $12 per month on a service that I'm going to use that's going to have a regular return of good content. Mm -hmm. uh, Paramount Plus, I've gotten the new Star Trek episode for like every week for the last you know, four months or something like that. It's like, it's been amazing. Um, but Disney, we're starting to go, eh, there hasn't been a lot coming out and there's not a lot that I'm excited about. You know, I think we're going to cancel Disney. And I just got a notification that it's going up from eleven ninety nine to thirteen ninety nine. Oh, right. that's an easy decision because I signed up for $12. <laughs> You've done nothing but remove content. 
and now charge me more. Um, but yeah, no, I haven't had a regular uh, TV provider uh, for quite a long time. Uh, so I went Dish Network, DirecTV, back to Dish Network. And then with Dish Network, up my prices like four times over four years on a plan that was supposed to be the same price every month, I went, screw it. And I went to uh, PlayStation TV. Do you remember PlayStation TV? Of course. PlayStation TV from Sony came out for $35 a month, had like 60 of the most popular TV channels that you could have. It had Discovery, it had ESPN, ESPN2, it had Fox Sports, and it had a couple others. It was like, this is great, $35, and I get 90% of the value that I was getting for $100 paying to, to Dish. That's fantastic. Then it went up to $40, and I was like, okay, you're you're starting to irritate me, but okay, I'll pay $40. And then in a single month, they jumped to 60 bucks. It was $59.99 and I went, no, that's not why I cut and went to like the bare minimum service of, I only want to watch five channels. That's all I want. Why is it $60 a month? Why? No winning. There's no winning. And now, ESPN's gone as far as literally killing my local sports conference. Thank you, Pac-12. Because no one wanted to sign a contract with only USC and UCLA with Oregon and Washington popping off every other year. Um, Now the Pac-12 has all but been abandoned. uh, Thanks to the SEC network and crap like this and the money grabs that are the Big Ten network and Big 12 and everything else. And so now as a sports fan, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to like, oh yeah, no, we've also, we've always had a history with Ohio State and Wisconsin. No. The only history I remember of Wisconsin is they beat us in 2000 and we beat them in 2001, both by three points. And then our most recent meeting was like 49-42 in the Rose Bowl. Uh... It's the only history I remember with Wisconsin ever. However, I remember every goddamn Oregon-Oregon State game since childbirth. I'm supposed to be a sports fan in a league that I know nothing about now? Awesome. Thanks, ESPN. And Disney? Yeah. And yes, I am kind of commenting on the whole uh, Kirk Herbstreet and uh, Lee Corso comments about the no one wants us championship of Oregon State and Washington State. A game which I watched because uh, I was really curious. Um, a game that has uh, the Ohio State. Oh, piss off. We're going to take that the. We're going to take it next year, too. So you keep wagging that around. Um, Anyway, uh, I was curious of, of the game itself, but I was also curious about 
the future of of the conference because that same week us or uh washington state and oregon state had sued the pac-12 saying no one else can be voting members but us because there's precedent for that in our constitution and so it turns out that oregon state and washington state since they're the only ones who are still devoted to the pac-12 have voting rights and so a judge actually had to put a stay on any legal activity around the conference so oregon state and washington state could administer it it was great <laughs> <laughs> but you can stream the big 10 network i could stream the pac-12 network too uh but only if i signed up for dish network or comcast or had xfinity or any other number of services and could piggyback off my authentication for that can i can i sign up for four dollars a month during football season to the big 10 network and stream a game because i'll pay that you know what i won't pay $100 a month to sign up to Dish so I can stream games in a lower quality than I would normally get over broadcast television. There's a dozen streaming sites that I go to on the weekly because I'll never go back. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's now 15 past the hour. Uh, your team can join the Big 12, Jeff. Uh, we were... Do you guys realize the Pac-12 was this close to signing Texas and Oklahoma back in 2016? Do you guys remember that during like the first realignment thing with... Uh, was it Missouri leaving the Big 12 for the SEC... Um, and Texas A&M, I think it was Missouri, Texas A&M leaving the Big 12 for, for the SEC and the future of the Big 12 being up in question because they were suddenly down to 10 teams and they ended up signing TCU uh, to join the Big 12. Um, yeah, at that point, the Big 12 was this close to dissolving because Texas and Oklahoma were going to leave to become part of the Pac-12. Um, they ended up not signing. Pac-12 signed Utah and Colorado instead. Colorado turned out to return everything we could have asked for them. Utah, or, no, Utah signed up and did everything that was asked of them, including going to a couple of Pac-12 title games. Colorado is like 16 and 48 in that time span. So we, I would have rather signed Boise State at that point. Nebraska, Colorado, and Mizzou. That's right. Nebraska went to the Big Ten. Uh, Mizzou went to the SEC and Colorado went to the Pac-12, right. Uh, GI says, to be fair, I've noticed NFL Plus and YouTube's uh, NFL Sunday ticket is better quality than local TV. Uh, yep, I'll be right there. Um, so, but at the same time, I'm not willing to sign up for 45 or $50 a month to YouTube TV just to get, just to sign another $15 contract to get NFL Sunday ticket. Because apparently people at Google don't know that the internet exists and that those games are streaming on YouTube anyway. You just have to know where to find them. <laughs> so that's how I watch NFL games. And I'm not ashamed of that as well, because someone's still making money off advertisements. 
Anyway. If I don't leave now, it's going to be a very long time until I do. Because that is all of 16.5%. And one of the best creme brulees I've ever had in my life. Uh, 4.5 on untapped. Uh, Rhett, anything good to the order? No, nothing for the so good of the order. Did I lose order. you? <laughs> uh, I muted myself. Uh, nothing for the good of the order. If you guys just, uh, you know, want to follow me and what's going on, I'm really kind of off the internet for the most part, but I do post the occasional update to what I'm working on or what's going on uh, to my website, redisawesome.com. Um, you know, so otherwise, you can catch me here every other week on, on Talking Heads with Craft Computing. Sweet. Uh, if you want one of the fancy nucleated pint glasses, head on over to craftcomputing.store. It'll keep your beer fresh the entire time you're drinking it. See that little swirly down at the bottom? Uh, that's doing work, as the kids say. Uh, we've also got coasters and bottle openers and whiskey stones and all kinds of things over there, so you can start drinking like a pro. Make sure to like this video if you liked it. Subscribe to Craft Computing if you haven't done so already. Follow us on social media at Craft Computing, at Red is Awesome. Uh, and uh, as always, we'll see you next week. Gucci. Now I'm going to have to go back and edit that. <laughs> Good night, everybody. And we're out. Nice. Good show, man. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Touched, talked about a little bit of everything.